Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Coming up on today's Autosport podcast, Paddy Lowe on his first-hand experiences of working with Lewis Hamilton. Just after Lewis Hamilton had clinched his seventh driver's title, Paddy Lowe put a tweet out talking about the balance of man versus machine in Formula One, and it seemed to generate lots of opinion. So our own Jonathan Noble and Luke Smith gave him a call to talk about what he meant and talk about his first-hand experiences of working with multiple world champions, including Lewis, over the years. Lewis Hamilton secured his place as Formula 1's most successful driver with a record-equalling seventh world championship title at the Turkish Grand Prix. His drive to victory at Istanbul was a pure masterclass of talent as he brilliantly plotted his way through the tricky conditions to recover from a difficult first phase of the race. Having surged his way to the front of the field, he perfectly judged the life of his well-worn intermediate tyres and rejected the option of a late safety stop for new rubber to claim his latest crown in great style. But while Hamilton's records have left few in doubt that he's the greatest F1 driver of this era and potentially the greatest of all time, that has not silenced the debate about how much of his success is down to his car and how much down to his driving talent. Joining me to discuss that topic, whether it's car or driver, is Paddy Lowe, the former technical chief at Mercedes, McLaren and Williams, and Luke Smith, Grand Prix reporter, Autosport. Now, Paddy, you posted an interesting tweet after Hamilton's victory on Sunday about this very topic of car v driver. You suggested the answer is always 50-50 on average, but sometimes it can sway hugely one way or another. That tweet has gained quite a bit of momentum and currently has more than 8,000 likes. So you worked with Lewis, I think, for more than half his wins in F1, 
Are you surprised by the response that tweet got? Yeah, I posted that tweet yesterday and uh, it's actually been quite interesting because clearly there was a, an audience for an opinion like that in, amongst the Twitterati who, uh, you know, are in this debate, you know, is it the driver, is it the car? Um, I mean, in, in all my time in Formula One, that's probably the most asked question when I meet people um, uh, and talk about Formula One. They always say, you know, is it the car? or is it the driver? Clearly, as an engineer, um, I ought to say, well, it's all the car, because um, <laughs> that's, that's my profession. <laughs> um, but I tweeted yesterday that, that, for me, seven times world champion is all driver. Um, and uh, I, I actually believe that. It, it's uh, perhaps, you know, it, it isn't the best sort of advert for, for what I and many uh, engineers doing Formula One but you know Formula One is is a marriage of the car and the driver um, you know one of the unique things about Formula One is the constructor competition um, the difference between the cars that have to be uniquely designed uh, and that sets it apart from most other racing series so then you know the perennial question well which you know which is the dominant uh, component um, and I guess a bit like any marriage, you can't sort of say which really which partner is uh, critical to its success or lack of. And you get easy examples, you know, um, the car that's at the back of the grid, um, you know, it doesn't matter what driver you put in that car, it's not going to win the race. Uh, so that's an easy one. If you have a car that, on the other hand, is thoroughly dominant, um, then you're left with purely a, a competition with one other one other driver, which is your teammate. So then you could still say, well, if, if both drivers were mediocre, you know, then that's the car. Um, but generally at the front of the grid, you know, you have quite a close competition between two, three, four different constructors. Uh, and then the driver actually becomes, you know, arguably the most important factor because that's your differentiator. If you've got three or four chassis that are fairly close within two, three tenths uh, on average, then, you know, it's going to be the driver that, that makes the difference. And the other factor, of course, is that they're not unrelated. You know, the teams with the best cars attract the best drivers um, because drivers are ridiculously competitive um, and they, they want to drive cars that will win. So... You know, and if they're good, they can command those seats. So, you know, the two are inextricably related and in, in, intertwined. So it, it's very, very difficult to separate these things. In the end, well, there is no answer, except to say that whilst you could take an individual race um, and take an opinion, and actually in Lewis's case yesterday, you know, that's pretty clear. You know, he made the difference yesterday. Uh, in that car, yes, it's a good car, but, you know, you compare him to his teammate, you compare him to the mistakes of, of many other great drivers in that race, uh, and he produced a perfect performance. So, you know, it, you, for me, if it's not 100% him yesterday in that individual race, it's certainly in the high 90s. But if you take an entire career so far, and seven world championships, and you have to, at that point, average out the contribution, the massive contribution of the teams in making great cars. 
but it, to a very large extent, that becomes averaged out if you've got a leading driver, uh, you know, driving over, in Lewis's case, uh, is it 14 seasons, uh, generally in a, you know, one of the leading cars to deliver seven championships is, you know, down to his driving. You can pick individual championships and say, well, okay, that one was an easy one for him. Um, but they weren't all easy. And other factors come into play, um, such as endurance, consistency. You know, there are many great drivers who you might say have, you know, by major contribution of their own talent, they've won championships, single championships. But to, to win seven requires a very special consistency and endurance. You played a, an instrumental part in kind of building up the Mercedes team to become the dominant force that it was. And, um, you know, Lewis has capitalised on that, winning six of his titles with Mercedes. In terms of that specific era of Formula One, we know Mercedes has been dominant, but if you had to estimate the, the input that Lewis has had on that, kind of shifting that 50-50 movement one way or the other, what, what would be your best guesstimate on that? Well, first of all, Lewis has six out of seven. He's beaten his teammates. Um, so that's a pretty clear statistic. And uh, even the seventh, you know, is, is an interesting one because um, Nico you know, is a terrific driver and an absolutely deserving world champion. Uh, and he beat Lewis, you know, on merit in, in that 2016 championship. But, you know, don't know disrespect to Nico, but he actually gave up at that point you know that he'd yeah. done it that was enough he couldn't face it again and in a way that was kind of a victory for Lewis again even though he technically <laughs> lost the championship he actually kicked the guy out of touch didn't he I don't think you know you need to look at it anymore in, with any more complexity than that and you, you know you go back to Lewis's championship in 2008 you know that was hard fought uh, against other strong cars uh, 2007, which, you know, he was one point off the championship at the end there. Uh, again, in fairly similar cars and competition, even with his own teammate who was who he tied uh, on the same one-point deficit. Luke, do you think you followed Lewis's career for a while now? Do you think he gets the, the credit he deserves for all his achievements or do you think people are just finding excuses to criticise him? Yeah, I think there are always these excuses that unfortunately are being found. And I think that particularly after winning the seventh title on Sunday, it did reignite the debate about where he stands compared to other British sporting icons, the likes of sort of Andy Murray, Steve Redgrave, um, people like that who've, who've really sort of defined this country's uh, success in a sporting discipline. And obviously Lewis Hamilton is absolutely part of that for Great Britain in Formula One. And again, it sort of did lead to the debate about the critics saying oh well it's just the car like it's really hard to sort of fully appreciate that the success he's had and how much of it is actually him and what he does and it's very it's very difficult to see when he'll actually get that credit really because ultimately all he can do is keep winning and keep winning these championships and breaking more records and writing more history in f1 and no matter what he does, there will always be that argument, unfortunately, from the outsiders who perhaps don't understand the actual athletic ability required by Formula One drivers, the dedication just and the sheer effort and amount of work that goes into it. So I think it is, it's unfortunate that he's maybe not appreciated in the same way that the likes of yeah, Andy Murray, uh, Chris Hoy in cycling, for example, these uh, 
icons who have had success over such a long and sustained period and as Paddy said that sort of consistency that you need throughout your sport and to be at the top of your sport for 14 years is that's that's not an easy feat so I think it's yeah it is unfortunate he doesn't maybe get the credit he deserves but I think that within Formula One circles at least I think there is that appreciation of his greatness and as hard as it may be to compare sort of greats across eras and to actually define an outright greatest of all time I think when it comes to this individual Lira, I think Hamilton is, is head and shoulders above the rest and I think that within the sport especially that is really really appreciated which is which is good and it's important and it just is ultimately the hope one day that everyone outside of F1 as well can fully understand that and actually realise and recognise what he has done so it's it's really been incredible but I mean Paddy you said about sort of the, the consistency through his career and as you said 14 seasons and he's from day one being competitive and being quick when you started working with him in 2007 was it immediately clear just how much of a difference he was making in sort of the driver versus car debate? Well I think you get a, a, a pretty strong indication of his extraordinary talent that he was on the podium for his first nine races um, and you know you have to let that sink in we see, you know, young drivers emerge now that come, you know, very talented drivers coming through. Uh, and, we, you know, if they, if they get a good result or even one podium in their first half season, we see that as quite remarkable. But, you know, just clock that. Nine podiums, first nine races. And there's a great story that I don't know if you've heard. The 10th race, which was Nürburgring, he didn't finish on the podium and he called on the radio on the in-lap at the end of the race to say, uh, guys, you know, where shall I go? I don't know where to go. <laughs> because he'd never not been in those first three cars who drive to a special compound. Um, and I, I think that just sort of really sums it up. An extraordinary talent from day one. And to get on a podium, it's not simply a case of talent, driving ability for lap time. It's a question of racecraft you know, having that intelligence uh, to be strategic when driving, uh, to not make mistakes. Um, you know, we saw in the race only yesterday, you know, how easy it is to make mistakes. So easy. And, and it's so easy to take for granted when drivers don't make mistakes. I mean, I told this to the Mercedes team many times uh, in, in assessing the records that we set in, in 2014, 15, 16 in terms of consecutive race wins and race wins in the season, you know, that, that they should respect hugely what Nico and Lewis did to, to create those results. Because in the end, it was about consistent delivery and not making single mistakes. Uh, because the tiniest thing is losing you that race. Uh, and, and it's so easy to just consider the driver to be some sort of robot uh, when they don't make the mistakes. But, but, you look around and, and yesterday was a great example of that. Paddy, where does Lewis rank in terms of all the, the drivers and world champions that you've worked with? You've, you've been, you see them behind the scenes, you, you know what they achieve on track and the input they give off it. Where, where would you put him? Unquestionably, Lewis is the greatest in terms of his results. Uh, they speak for themselves. Um, as you say, I was fortunate, uh, had, had the honour really uh, in my career so far to work with um, some of the, the greatest drivers that we've seen in the last 30 years. Um, so including Senna, Mansell, Hakkinen, Hill, Lewis, 
I didn't work with Michael. Um, I know from my ex-colleagues at Mercedes that, you know, he, he's the most fantastic human being um, out of the car. Um, and, you know, the, the, for many people, their favourite driver uh, as a gentleman and, a, you know, a person of great generosity. Um, uh, I have sort of my opinions of how he was in the car, which is sort of slight, slightly at odds with that. Um, but, he, you know, because for me, he was always a competitor uh, and not a colleague. Um, but, you know, the other drivers, there are great drivers and I've enjoyed working with all of them for very different reasons. Um, but uh, none of them have, you know, had that persistence to, to stay in there and keep working year in, year out to win multiple championships. Um, and, and that's really what set Lewis, Lewis apart. You know, and he's made great, great sacrifices to do that. Personal sacrifices in terms of life choices to, to really dedicate himself to uh, his Formula One career. Um, and, and the consistency of staying in a team. So uh, we say, ah, oh, well, he won all those races in Mercedes. Lewis has had a 14-year Formula One career and he's only driven for two teams. Well, analyse that. There's a story in there about uh, consistency, loyalty, management of relationships, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you know, if you stay in the same team and, and build performance together, uh, you know that that's how it comes, and uh, and that requires you to maintain relationships uh, as much as anything else. So you know that's again part of the package of delivering so much long-standing success. Luke, do you think a lot of people only appreciate Lewis's greatness once he retires? That will kind of it'll only kind of hit home just how how good he was. Yeah, I imagine so. Which is a great shame because ultimately we should be sort of savouring and enjoying the the history that Lewis is writing right now before our eyes. We're you, only once before in F1 history had anyone witnessed a seven-time world champion being crowned, and we got that opportunity yesterday for the second time. So it's it is astonishing that he's doing all of this and that. I don't think people are fully understanding it or appreciating it. And it's uh, hit with the criticism of, oh, it's boring and there's one team dominating and all the similar arguments that I think were put Ferrari and Michael Schumacher's way towards the end of their dominant period. And it meant that it was only in hindsight that people really appreciated just how good Michael was and how good that Ferrari team was. And I think the same will be true for Lewis and Mercedes right now. That it'll only be when he does finally hang up his helmet with eight nine ten world titles who knows he's got he's got the time to do it he's in the right car he's in the right team that i think that it will be fully recognized and realized just where he stands in the history books and and what he has done for f1 and i think that is also true for a wider sporting perspective as i was saying earlier i think that only when he finally calls it quits will the british public and the sort of British sports fans and sports scene really see where he fits in among the other great sporting stars from our country. And to me, he is at the top. And obviously that may become from a sort of a very F1 perspective. So there may be some bias in that. But I think it is just so important to recognise just what he's done for so long. He's been so successful and really couldn't have achieved much more in this sport. So I think he he deserves a huge amount of credit for that. Um, I mean, Paddy, what, what do you think? Do you think it'll only be when Lewis does call it quits that we'll finally recognise and realise just how good he's been. Yeah, so I think I think we should be enjoying it, as you said, Luke. You know, Lewis is displaying week in week out. You know, 
a complete mastery of of what it is to be a Formula One driver. That's quite scary, I think, for the other competitors um, because he really is now in a league of his own. Paddy, do you think there's a almost sometimes an inverse perception from fans about how titles are won? That the, the more dominant a driver is and the, and the better job he does actually makes it the, the world title look easier than if he makes heavy weather of a good car wins at the final round after stumbling to it when that actually looks like a better achievement sometimes. Yeah, it's a very good point. And, and it comes back to what I said earlier about taking for granted the uh, perfection of a driver. Uh, and uh, this is why I was constantly saying that to the team in Mercedes in, in the early hybrid era, uh, when we were setting records for race wins in a season uh, I'll say not only to them, but also as much as I could in in, in media, uh, to really give credit to Lewis and Nico at that time for that sort of perfection, which is so easily um, missed when 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 you just sort of see the pace of a car and then think, oh well, the you know the success is automatic. It absolutely isn't. Um, you know there's. The, Every lap, every corner, uh, every moment in a weekend, you can stumble. Even in practice, you can stumble and, and create a penalty. So many, you know, man traps out there uh, in terms of what it takes to just put a race weekend together. And I have to say, you know, in, in that, that period, uh, and I haven't analysed clearly since I left Mercedes, but sorry, 2014, 15, 16, you know, the amount of loss that one could allocate to a driver error of some type was just ridiculously small. Uh, and that was just such a huge credit to, to the two drivers that we had at that time. Um, as, you know, I keep saying it, you, you've only got to look at the race yesterday in Turkey and it's all there. Um, you know, and I'm not going to name names, but, you know, so many drivers that made... Uh, simple, forgivable mistakes, but still mistakes, you know, and then you throw away the race win or the podium. What is Lewis going to go on to achieve? How, how much longer can he maintain this this form and how many titles do you think he can go for? Luke, Luke, can we start with you? Uh, I think that obviously we're still waiting for news on the new contract, which we're all anticipating will be secured and announced. And I think then... Really, yeah, it's just a case of how long Lewis wants to go on for. And you look at going into next season, he'll be the overwhelming favourite for an eighth title given the the carryover of the cars. And he, he really will probably be facing Valtteri Bottas as his main rival again. And I think Bottas has struggled every year to try and sort of reinvent himself and come back with a plan and a tactic to beat Hamilton and it just hasn't worked out so I think that Lewis can look at next year as being a a real good opportunity to get an eighth title and there's so much depends on the regulation change in 2022 that how Mercedes react to that and obviously the the plan and the hope for F1 is that it does sort of narrow the field and, and bring down these great margins in terms of performance but I think the bigger teams they're still expected to have that advantage particularly in the early years of the new regulations so I think the Mercedes, if they can sort of basically get on top of the new rules quickly, which is something they've they've done at every hurdle. Obviously, for 2014, were 
miles ahead with the with the um, new V6 hybrid en- engines and power units. But then even come 2017, when there were the new aero regs, they got on top of that and reacted to that in 2019 again, when there were the, the tweaks made, basically to try and give Red Bull a chance to catch up. And every single time Mercedes were able to react to it and respond and, and just deal with it. So I think that so long as Mercedes and sort of this, this juggernaut keeps on going, then there's not really much that can stop Hamilton. So it's really as long as he wants to go on for and he said he doesn't expect to be racing an F1 into his 40s a bit like Kimi is so realistically we've got sort of another four or five years at the absolute maximum to enjoy watching Lewis Hamilton but it really wouldn't surprise me if he did end up in in sort of nine or ten world championships which is uh, a a quite astounding figure Uh, but would uh, yeah I think I would be hard pressed to see him not reaching that tally unless something big does happen. It's clearly there and it's a matter more for Lewis uh, and how long he wants to go on. And I think it's a scary thought for the other drivers in terms of their prospects to compete uh, because it's a really tall order because Lewis isn't standing still either. You know, he's getting better every year. Uh, Everything he does, he learns from and and plays it into the the further races. So, um, you know, if, if you were some other driver in Formula 1 at the moment, that's a bit of a scary thought. But, um, you know, it comes back to the same reasons why he's, he's also seven-time champion is because he's, he's worked at it and stuck around and he's made that, uh, you know, his only career focus. You know, if he continues to do that, he'll continue to win as well. So thank you, Paddy. Thank you, Luke. Now you've heard from the experts, what do you think about Lewis Hamilton's success? How much is the car? How much is the driver? And how many titles is he going to go on to win? And we'll see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.